Welcome back to the JB Font Show. This is our newest episode. Uh, I just did the introductory episode where I was speaking on the purpose of the show and what my goal is for the show. And now that we got some of the fluff out of the way, what I want to do now is I want to focus on some of the principles that I believe and how the principles that I believe intersect with policies that I think that should be implemented within our society here in the United States. Now, I am not going off of any script right now. This is no no uh, outline, nothing whatsoever. So this is all just me off the top of my head and bring it straight to you. One of the things that I was taught and one of the things I do believe in is that values like love, compassion, justice, and empathy are part of what keeps us connected together and keeps us alive. That being said, policies that facilitate these type of qualities are absolutely necessary for us to survive and to thrive within this nation. Now, of course, being on the left, we get vilified for wanting pie in the sky ideals we get vilified for wanting to have basically the basics that many other developed countries already have and really these policies that we are on the left are actually vying for are really just centrist ideals when you look at the grand scheme of things around the world for instance One of the biggest things that you hear about is Medicare for all. This is a policy, for those of you that don't know, is the expansion of the program Medicare to all ages, and it is completely comprehensive. And what this does is that it gives comprehensive health care from the time you're born to the time you die. This comprehensive health care covers all medical procedures and includes dental, mental, auditory, as well as vision and long-term care. So Medicare for all covers all these things and is comprehensive and it pays at 100% of costs. The only difference is you're not paying co-pays, premiums, deductibles, no out-of-pocket expenses. It is all deducted by taxes and the bulk of the taxes is taken out from the wealthy instead of the working class or poorer class in the United States. So therefore, we all have healthcare that is free at the point of service 
so that you are able to have health care. So the guy that's homeless out there on the street has the same quality health care as somebody like Jeff Bezos or that single mom or dad that's taking care of three kids has the same health care as somebody like Nancy Pelosi. So everybody has equal and high quality health care, no matter who you are, no matter your your economic uh, side of the spectrum, which I completely agree with. That being said, in the explanation of Medicare for All, implementing a policy like that is the kind and loving and compassionate thing to do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your political belief is. You should not go bankrupt and get put out because of your inability to pay for your health care. That is immoral and is inconscionable and should not be allowed in the country that has the greatest wealth in the history of the world. Absolutely not. So therefore, from a moral issue, Medicare for all is the right way to go. I don't care if you're a conservative. If you're a conservative, it is fiscally responsible to implement Medicare for all. Is the fiscally responsible thing to do. Think about it. Medicare for all saves over $5 trillion over 10 years. If it saves over, if it conserves over $5 trillion over 10 years, then that is the most fiscally responsible, fiscally conservative policy that you can ask for. And it covers 100% of all Americans. If that doesn't tell you the value of a policy like Medicare for all, I don't know what will. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't even know why Medicare for all is not a right-wing position. Why? Why is it not? Because it's run by the government? It's not even run by the government. It's just an insurance company that is government run. That's all it is. It's not the hospital that's run. It's not the manufacturers that's run. And even still, to me, Medicare for all is the compromise. I'd rather have an AHS. That's right, an AHS, an American health system similar to the NHS in the UK, where it's all run by communities and governments. That's my preference. So really, Medicare for all is really the compromise between the left and the right. The fact that it's being vilified so much, including by Democrats, this shows that the Overton window has shifted so far to the right that now we are proposing things that are 
unloving, lacking of compassion, unkind policies that leave millions of people without health care. And we are leaving them susceptible to death and debt because of these policies. Which to me is antithetical to the values of America. Now, what's another policy? Green New Deal. Now, a lot of people say that the Green New Deal, or as Nancy Pelosi likes to call it, the Green Dream or whatever, is something that's not really viable. Well, let me tell you what's not viable. What's not viable is having a planet that is dead. I'm not speaking in hyperbole. The scientists are giving us a decade or two to reverse course. Not even a decade or two, a decade and a half to reverse course on what we're doing. Back in the 2020 primaries, candidate Bernie Sanders proposed a $16 trillion Green New Deal plan. By the way, the Green New Deal was actually taken and watered down by Bernie Sanders and was actually taken from the Green New Deal actually originally proposed by the Green Party, starting with people like Jill Stein and Howie Hawkins, but I digress. But $16 trillion to take our entire energy system and our infrastructure and shift it towards a sustainable structure so that we can leave a thriving planet for our children and our children's children. Why is this even up for debate? Well, some people say, well, it's going to get rid of fossil fuel jobs. But if you look at the policy that Bernie Sanders was proposing, it actually had a five-year transition period for anybody working in those industries to transition from a fossil fuel industry to a renewable industry. And those people would have been taken care of. And it set aside money just for that. So people who are working in these industries are taken care of, they're good. So then what else is the other argument? There is no other argument. There is no possible way for us to argue against that. The only reason why it's being argued against is because the executives of the oil companies and fossil fuel companies want us to keep using these substances that are damaging to our planet because of their greed. That's all it is. And people who are politicians, the servants of the fossil fuel industry, are in the Democratic and Republican parties. So therefore, that's who they're getting their money from. So they're doing their bidding. So of course, somebody like Joe Biden is still wanting to do fracking, even though 
he took on some of Bernie Sanders' climate change policy. So what do we do now? Well, we have to fight him. No matter who's president, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, we have to fight them. Part of that fight begins with the state legislators as well as the federal government and the House of Representatives and also in the Senate. And this also means that we need to even start pushing city councils to more renewable resources. We have to start closer to home. This is something that has to start from there. You have to start at the roots and grow from there. Of course, we do want to have a president that is sympathetic to a Green New Deal. That goes without saying. But the one thing that we can do, for now at least, is to vote for people who are for a Green New Deal, who do not take corporate PAC money, and who are for renewable resources of energy instead of using these fossil fuels which are damaging to the planet. Housing for All is another one that implements kindness, compassion, justice, and love. We live in the richest country in the history of the world. Why do we have homeless people? Unfortunately, within the United States, and a lot of people are now realizing this, is that it is a considered a crime to be impoverished. The reason why there are so many people in this position isn't merely out of laziness. I mean, if you actually go to these poorer neighborhoods, many people are working hard just to make it. They live in a society where they are exploited constantly for the wealth that they help create, but they don't get to keep. So one of the fiscally responsible things actually and here we go back to fiscally responsible it's actually cheaper to house the homeless than to keep going down the path that we are on right now it's funny how the leftist policies are actually the more fiscally responsible policies but it's true it saves us money, especially in, you know, various municipalities that we have around this country. But it also puts people in homes. And it also gives them dignity and fosters an environment where people can start doing better for themselves in the long run. And that's something that would be such a huge boon and help to the United States. And when I mean people who are homeless, I'm not just talking about somebody that may be suffering from mental illness, which also must be addressed. Hello, Medicare for all. 
But also, what about those people who are staying in hotels with their families? You have people who are living in these rinky-dink hotel rooms where it's themselves and one, two, three, four kids all in one room because they cannot afford to live in a regular apartment or home. Either that or because of the way that this system has been bogging down on working people, their credit is shot. And so because they are constantly under bombardment of credit checks, they can't get a place, even if they have the money. And a great majority of them are minorities, black and brown people. So really then, the system is rotten to its core. And it was built that way. It was built to favor those of the rich and wealthy and well-connected. And so this is something that also we want to change. Every single leftist policy, and I can keep going, has a sense of collectivist and solidarity with fellow humans so that we all can thrive together. And when you have these different policies, it actually means that there's more power with the people than there are with just a small group. And there is where the issue lies. That small group doesn't want the greater majority to have power. So therefore, they bog down the larger group and make them think that they need to fight with each other in order to reach that small group. Which, it's like, no. The small group, the minority, should not be doing this. They shouldn't be ruling. It should be the majority. I thought this was a democracy. And so, for us, really, and I know I am just going off the rails here, but, and I am quite cognizant of that going into 20 minutes so far, but I, 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 I need to get this out. So, if you'll, you know, bear with me and humor me for a little bit still. They do not have as big of a say because their numbers are smaller. So therefore, what should we do? Because number one, they have the apparatus of the media. Noam Chomsky was one of the people who wrote the book called Manufacturing Consent, where it actually shows that the corporate media is owned 
in large part by large multinational corporations, which actually skews the information that is disseminated to us into our TV screens and on our computer screens and our cell phones to let us know what information that they want us to know and put forth candidates that they want us to vote for. So we have that fight on that front. But we also have them being the primary employers and they all just a few companies that own more of the wealth than the bottom half of the entire United States. Just three people. Three people own more wealth than the bottom half of the United States. Do you think that's moral? I don't. So, one of the things that we can do is, of course, we vote. And you get a lot of people who say, you know, just vote, just vote. You know what? No, don't just vote. Because where did that gotten us? Voting is one part of this whole. Another thing that should be done, in my view, is direct action. Now, what does direct action means? Some people may interpret it as being violent towards others. No, that's not necessarily what it means. But it does mean things like mutual aid, circumventing the system by helping others so that they are able to go on strikes and boycotts. These things are necessary. I really wish the NBA players actually continued with their strike. And, you know, Obama, you know, put a wrench in that. Thanks, Obama. But that's a side note. And also things like protests in the streets. For those of us that for those of us that are immunocompromised, have physical ailments, some of us that may be special needs, some of us that may be older or infirm, those of us that can't get out there, we can use our voices in other different ways. Hence, my reason for having a podcast. See? But we all have a part that we can play within dismantling a system of oppression so that the majority has their voice heard and abided by our employees, a.k.a. the politicians. So voting is just one aspect of a whole that needs to be done. And we need to do it now. I don't care if people are saying, oh, well, we can move Biden left. Number one, you're not going to move Biden left. You're not. We couldn't move Obama to the left. We're not going to move Biden to the left. We tried moving Obama to the left. Hello, Occupy Wall Street. Hello, Standing Rock. We tried. It didn't work because they don't care. 
you actually think we're going to move Biden, who's to the right of Obama? We're going to move him left? No, 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 no. It's not going to work like that. But one of the things we do, but like I said, voting is part of it. We vote for people who are running. People like Donna and Mom in Texas. People like Lisa Savage. Lisa Savage is in the Green Party and she's running in Maine. We need to also vote for people like her. Just because she's not a Democrat with a D next to her name doesn't mean she's not a leftist that actually proposes worthwhile policies that will help the greatest majority of people. We need to have people like Lisa Savage in Maine. We need to vote for people who are uh, champions for justice, like Cori Bush. She won her primary. People like Jamal Bowman, Mondir Jones. We need people to run again in 2022. We need people like Alex, Alex Morse to run again. We need people like Jen Perlman to run again. We need people like Morgan Harper and Anthony, uh, Anthony Clark and Charles Booker. We need these people to run again. Lauren Ashcraft, run again. Don't stop. Keep it going. And we vote for them. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we do our direct chat, we do our direct actions. We push and we push and we push. Direct action. We do things like mutual aid. If you know somebody who needs food, if you know somebody who needs a ride somewhere, if you know somebody that needs help with a bill paid, they have a GoFundMe, something, help them out. Especially if they are going out there on the front lines and either they are protesting or they're on strike. We need to help them out. Because they are the ones that are putting that pressure. And they need support. And that's what we're there for. They're that support that we need to give in the meantime until we get politicians who are sympathetic to the policies in which we want. And which we need within this country. There are so many more that we can do. So much more. And as we continue to push for these policies, keep in mind that this isn't just for ourselves, but this also is for our neighbors. Not only our neighbors here in the United States, but also the people who really are our neighbors around the world. We want to end imperialism. I 
as well as many more of us, are sick of seeing dead brown bodies in the Middle East and in South America and in parts of Africa. We're tired of it. We do not want to see them die. We want to see them thrive. And we need politicians who are going to fight against the military, the military industrial complex and say, absolutely not. We will not fund these regime change for-profit wars that kill and pillage these people for their resources. We will no longer have it. We are tired of it. We are tired of seeing the plight of the Palestinian people. We are tired of seeing people in Yemen that are dying in Syria. We are tired of what's going on in places like uh, Honduras and Nicaragua, with the being perpetuated by the war on drugs. We are tired of all these things happening. We are tired of these seven wars that we have going on in places like Afghanistan and Pakistan and uh, I think Somalia, I think is one of them. Not Somalia. And it's, it's another one of the East African countries, but we're tired of it. And we want to have peace in the world. So with that being said, this was just an off-the-cuff kind of expose into the way my mind works and kind of a bit of a dip of what you're going to get within this podcast. I didn't want to make it more than 30 minutes, and so, you know, it's not going to be much longer than that. But I just wanted to end this by saying that I want to thank you all for listening. And I am deeply appreciative of all the people that have taught me so much, especially over the last year as I've grown in more of my understanding of how the world works and how we can improve and how we deserve so much better. And really, that's it. I want to just let you guys know that you can uh, follow me on Twitter at JBFont. That's J-A-Y-B-E-F-A-U-N-T. And you can also follow my uh, Facebook page, The JBFont Show. And I hope to hear from you guys and get some feedback. And we can start a conversation on what we deserve and how we can implement compassion, kindness, love, and justice within our policies so that we can have a better world overall. So I want to thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you in the next one.